Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. Hey, so if you've been following along with the last couple of episode intros, I've been detailing what it's like to be visiting home in the heavenly tropical paradise of Waterloo, Ontario. And if I hear one more person complaining about the heat, I'm going to be like, listen, buddy, you want some of this? And when I say this, I'm holding up a picture of Joe Haven Nudavut, because that's where I've been since January, you fuckers. You're listening to The Todd Donald Show, the living practice of me, a singer-songwriter. Yeah, I still do that. Relating to other artists and performers about their lives, about the nuances and finer points of our fascination with the thing, going ballistic about human nature and foibles and communicating, going postal on pop culture. At any rate, especially in a time like this, it's absolutely vital to my spirit as a human to be in contact with people in this way, by way of recording animated interview-tastic-like chats. Now, when I found Laura Bailey, singer-songwriter from Guelph, Ontario, I went to her website and Bandcamp, and what I found was gold. What I also found was that this person is a theatrical performer, an improviser, a music teacher to boot, a fantastic, fascinating person who had finished or was still running at the time, I can't remember, an original production, a comedy musical called Clitoria, a sex-positive superhero. As a podcaster, as a nerd, and certainly as a genuine fan of all those things, I had a meal to make out of talking with Laura. So every now and then, there, there's a podcast guest that in the time of chatting ab- about being on, it, it goes beyond some Instagram messages or emails. Sometimes talking about being on the podcast involves some finesse, some getting to know someone on a separate day so that they're comfortable with opening up about themselves on a public forum. So I don't remember if it was necessary for Laura at the time. I think it was for me. It was just nice to meet up with that new buddy in the fall of last year and chat. Uh, Since then, my appreciation for Laura Bailey's talent remained, but through phone calls and our Zoom call in the middle of May, I've come to know Laura Bailey as a friend. Which isn't to say I don't think of every guest as such, or that I don't want to, but with all due respect, some guests are like, you know, thanks for having me on, goodbye forever, and that's okay. And that's okay. Let me climb out of this rabbit hole. We cut to now, and I'm about to publish this episode, and it's like, it just feels like I want to say, hey, This is my buddy, Laura Bailey. But I do not forget that Laura, whom I again chatted with in mid-May, is an awesome sauce vocalist, vocal teacher, theater performer, improviser, and so much more. Let's go into us talking, and you'll hear some of her song performances mixed in. We talk about her life as a musician from childhood to now, and examine the pros and cons of being an artist and performer. It seems cliche, but I think where we went with it here is unique and special. Please give a warm, internal, and socially distant welcome to Laura Bailey. How's your life in Guelph wearing a mask and staying home? My quarantine is going uh, pretty okay, pretty well. There's definite pros and cons. Overall, I would say I'm quite lucky. Knock on wood, I still have my health and I haven't been sick. My family has been well. I did have an aunt and uncle who had it, but they got better and they're fine, which is really great. I live in Guelph in a little house with my roommate. Part of the struggle was just navigating 
how do we both live at home all the time in this little house? Because we can hear each other. And yeah, like we had to sort of figure that out for the first couple of weeks. But now I think we've got a routine and a system going. And now it's beautiful outside. So I've been starting to work on the porch, which is really, really nice. We have like a little back porch and a beautiful backyard. I have to say, I, I think I'm very privileged and lucky because when I hear about some of my friends living in Toronto, they don't feel comfortable going outside for walks because the sidewalks are so small. You know, everything is just this concrete jungle and there's a lot of anxiety about seeing people in the streets. It's uh, it's not really that here. I have to say it's very walkable in Guelph. There's a lot of green space. There's a lot of parks. And, and you know, to be honest, uh, nobody has been giving me a hard time about walking through parks, even though they were technically closed. Right. We just don't have the same level of pressure here, I think. Like we definitely had a few cases. It took longer for COVID to reach Guelph. There's definitely been some cases here and a few outbreaks, but it's it's looking a lot better now. And we are not like, we're a very well-resourced city for our population. Mm-hmm. So there was never any like real huge wait for groceries, delivery or anything like that. I'm still getting my prescriptions delivered to me like same day. You know, I have to say all in all, like I'm very fortunate and very privileged in where I am and in the way that this has been going for me. That's excellent. Guelph has a rocking quarantine sitch going. That's good. <laughs> Guelph is rocking quarantine. (laughs) I mean, yeah, knock on wood. Oh, yeah, there were a couple of like grocery stores where we were told afterwards that somebody had it. So like, that's not to say that there isn't COVID in Guelph, because there definitely is. But I, I just feel like it's not this is not ground zero. And it's beautiful outside. And, you know, we're very well resourced and very fortunate being here. When I was staying with my parents for a few months before I left for the Arctic, where where that house is, is right on the part of the Kitchener border that's bumping up against Guelph. So I've spent time there. I love that place. I love the Mm -hmm. culture that's from Mm -hmm. there. There's the making box is there. Well, at least like Mm -hmm. the, the main the main making box? Yes, the making the, box theater is here. Shit, we could do a, an episode on Guelph one day, but I want to talk about you. <laughs> Before we get into um, the projects that you've done or most proud of and, and where it all began, I am curious to know during this time, what do, do you have a vehicle that you're already doing or planning that will allow you to exercise your given talents? My, <laughs> my creative muscle? Your creative muscle, your freaking talent. Um, yeah, so my my electronic setup here is pretty simple. I have a condenser mic, an Audio Technica condenser mic, and a couple of mic stands. I have a Roland Duo Capture EX um, compressor, and then I have a uh, have my laptop, and I have GarageBand. I also have a couple of speakers and a nice um a nice set of headphones. I should point out to the listener that I know you are a vocal teacher, so you, you, yes, in this time, a lot of teachers have been converting the lessons to an electronic means so that that can still happen. So I, I know with that, you've, you've felt like you've remained busy and not too bored, I guess. With regards to the lessons, I have moved to entirely online coaching at this point. So I have been seeing my students online and that has been going well. I'm offering a self-isolation special. So that means that I'm offering a discounted rate for those who sign up to do lessons with me over Skype. Those have been going really, really well. I like those words with regards. Um, with regards to my life. Well, because you also asked me about my, my creative projects. And uh, I do have something planned. 
I started working on an album sort of in earnest, started planning uh, structurally and thematically an album that I'm planning to write and record. And it would be a real departure from anything I have ever done before. But now seems like the time to experiment and do that sort of thing. So I'm excited about that, but I don't want to say too much about it just yet. Okay. The time that we're given has to be, at least in my opinion, the, one of the best silver linings as a creative or a performer about this. Mm-hmm. One thing that's going around, <laughs> see what I did, is <laughs> the fact that we're <laughs> kind of forced to reckon with or recognize the measure of how much of our identities is wrapped up in what we do or the mm-hmm. interaction with it, given that we can't have that interaction right now. Everyone on the planet probably has a different sense of who am I now that I have mm-hmm. to stay here all the time? Yeah, that's a really great point And a really great question that, yeah, we've all had to, I mean, certainly I have felt that I've been taking some time to go inward and to think about what I do and why I do what I do and, and the kinds of things that I like to do with my time and how I want to use this time. One of the things that I guess I've discovered in all of this is that I am happiest when I am working on something and when I'm being productive, when I feel like, you know, I have goals and things to look forward to and things to plan for and music. I've never questioned that my purpose is to make music and teach music and perform music. The pillars of my life have always been that I should be teaching and learning and performing And if I'm doing all three of those things, then I'm a happy camper and I'm not going to feel like I'm wasting my life. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm turning X age. I should have more (laughs) going on. (laughs) Like those are the three things that if those things are present in my life, I'm going to be happy and fulfilled. And so um, I've just been figuring out ways to continue to do those things in the current situation. And I think the first couple of weeks were really rough. I didn't necessarily know how to do those things in the current situation and how to do those things online because my home life and who Laura is at home, it's a different version of myself than who I am on stage or who I am with my family or who I am when I'm teaching. It just felt like it was all home, Laura. And one of the challenges I think of this time has been trying to figure out how to express all of these different facets of myself from home in the same physical space and context without driving my roommate crazy. I just find it interesting, the selves concept. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I do this. I cartoonize everything. So I'm just imagining like, (laughs) hey, home Laura does not pick up milk. After work, Laura picks up milk. How am I going to get milk? It's not far off from the mark. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like gym Laura works out. Home Laura does not. You know what I mean? Like home Laura has had to figure out how to work out. Those are real. It's totally different energies. Like there are times when I'll think of, I don't know, performing or running that require whatever, adrenaline, a lot more movement is required to work out. And there are these times when mm-hmm. I'm I'm just feeling lethargic and I'm doing nothing and I'm laying down. God damn it. Like two days ago, I was working out. In three days, I have to perform. That's not me. I physically could not do that. But like, you know, it is the same you literally, but it doesn't, you know. It's even as simple as like, I preferred to like go to a coffee shop to work because Uh I found home life too distracting. But now I have to work at home. So I have to figure out ways to 
work and not get distracted at home. It's been an interesting challenge. And that's just one example, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's an interesting challenge to figure out how to do all of these things from home. And I think that this has stretched everybody's patience, everybody's skills. There is this collective, like we're all in this together sort of situation, because I think everyone has been challenged by it. Hello. I'm not sure if you know this, but Laura Bailey recently released the soundtrack to her musical Clitoria, a sex-positive superhero. Visit laurabaileymusic.com and is sending all proceeds to Black Lives Matter Guelph. Please enjoy her acoustic rendition right now of a song from that show called Suck It Up. Since I was a little girl, I dreamt of my ring. I pictured my wedding day and the joy it would bring. A church with a steeple, a dress made with lace. I saw every detail except for his face. So if he loves me, thinking of it as the only identity i'm curious to know what any goddamn artist performer that i talked to on the show wants to be referred to i want i want the right pronoun you you're not just a singer and you're not just an improviser is that the word because improviser yeah sometimes i just like to round it out i guess of myself i would just say creative performer because i'm a singer songwriter i'm a podcaster 
in terms of relating, is there an umbrella term that you would have? That's a really good question. Uh, I guess I'm a creator. That sounds so boring. <laughs> I wish I had something like extreme diva angel phenomenon. Like, <laughs> I should get a business card, you know. Yeah. I go by a singer, songwriter, voice teacher. That doesn't totally capture everything that I have done, but it captures everything that I'm doing at the moment. Right. So for example, last year, I debuted my first musical at the Toronto Fringe Festival, uh, which was Clitoria, a sex positive superhero. And my goal going into writing that show was, you know, how do I, I, I have all of these different things that I like doing how do I put this all together into a format where I get to do all of this at the same time? I might not be the best songwriter or the best singer or the best comedian, but I'm probably the only one crazy enough to try to do them all at the same time. So maybe people will appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so that was a, a very, a very educational experience for me. That's sort of the, the idea there is uh, hopefully that gets captured in sort of the singer songwriter business. And as part of that show, like I wrote that show, I wrote the songs, I wrote the book, I acted in it, I produced it. Uh, it has an improvised portion in it. It was really important to me that there was some improv in the show to get the audience involved. So it was really me trying to find a way to, to combine all of these things that I do. And uh, yeah, and I hope to do more of that in the future. I was talking to someone recently about what a cabaret act is. That's got to be the ultimate adult themed cabaret concept <laughs> if you think about it. And the funny thing is, when I first reached out to you, this is going to sound so stupid. I, God, when I was 19 or 20, there was no social media, but there were music networking websites. And just before everyone was on MySpace, everyone was on purevolume.com. And I had my first mm -hmm. wonderful experiences reaching out to other singer-songwriters and discovering music that I otherwise wouldn't have known about if I didn't put in these funny searches. Like, uh, I don't know. Cool. Okay. Let me look up some in Scotland under acoustic. And I, I would find music <laughs> that I loved and reach out to these people back when that was such a far out thing. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> I met quite a few people who I'm still fond of to this day. And I called it listen here. Here was spelled H E A R. I was going to make a website mm -hmm. for it. It just never went anywhere. It stayed and grew as a personal pet project. God, I haven't well, done it. it's a very clever title. Yeah, I, I can't waste that title. No. After a decade and a half, I was like, it would be kind of cool to not only try to reach out to the people that I first made contact with 15 years ago, but also to do like a volume four and maybe find a way to do it again. And when I was doing mm -hmm. that, you know, I had to ask Google this time around for uh, some singer-songwriters from Ontario, <laughs> even though, you know, it's, you know, it's not right. that much of a broad search, but I otherwise would not have found the name Laura Bailey. And I knew that you were a singer-songwriter. And this is a long way of wow. getting around to the fact that when, oh. when we made contact, when we had yes. each other on social media, that's how I discovered mm -hmm. that you were a, a multi-talent. You, you also did theater and this, this really cool show kept popping into my feed, Clitoria. And, you know, uh, I guess I could say I, I never knew how to find Clitoria and someone argued <laughs> that it doesn't even exist. And, um, <laughs> Well, they're wrong. It does exist. It's not a myth. <laughs> and it's big, yeah. real big. <laughs> and it just rubbed everyone the right way. And I'm, I'm sad that I missed it. That's just got so much of me to edit out. It just rounded out the experience because I've always, <laughs> I've always loved theater, right? So to talk to anyone about any one thing is, is great. But like the more we talked, you, you do improv and mm -hmm. did you have an interest in theater before or was it always like mainly music for you? I've been passionate about music my entire life like straight out the womb. I've been singing since 
since the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. it's not something that my parents, I mean, they encouraged me, but I had no, uh, like, my parents are not musicians. Like, it just sort of happened. Right. And uh, they were like, oh, our child is a musician. So they they put me in lessons and encouraged me and put me in choirs and things like that. But it was out of nowhere, completely 100% from inside my own little being. And uh, I've never questioned it. And I have, it's always been there. I think there have been times in my life when I have put it aside in favor of, you know, being a young person who like, gets drunk with their friends on weekends and goes to university and gets a job and does their thing. But I always come back to it. It always feels like the place I'm supposed to be and the thing that I'm supposed to be doing where I'm at now, I'm pretty clear on the fact that music is my purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's my guiding light and whatever life brings, whatever I have to do for money, whatever I have to do to survive, I always know in my heart that I'm a musician and a singer and that's what I am. Does that answer your question? I'm terrible at asking questions and of course it does. I can't help but admire... (laughs) Like that kind of devotion. I mean, for you to be at this point in your life too, and you still feel that way is testament. And I'm curious, did your parents, so you're telling me like they were a part in you having in lessons for it. And did any of that kind of like ruin it for you? Find a solid question in my gobbledygook um, because I can't. <laughs> I mean, I hated piano lessons growing up. I was in uh, the Bach Children's Choir as a kid, which is a, a classical, like hardcore children's choir where they give you theory homework every week and stuff and like when (laughs) I remember somebody at one point asked me like Laura do you find this fun no I I don't actually and they said oh okay well we don't have to keep doing it and I was like oh (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know what to say like I just did it and then I missed it you know and I was like seven or something at the time like I was very young as a kid like I would work on stuff when it came to music, I would just practice. And I think it took me some time to figure out the balance between um, hard work and enjoyment. Because when it comes to learning a new skill, there's always going to be an element of like banging your head against the wall, especially when you are at a very young age being told to perform at a very high level. There's a lot of pressure that goes along with that, that my parents probably didn't understand, which was my experience being in the Bach Children's Choir. You know, in a lot of the the groups that I was in, because I was a very good singer for being such a little kid, they would put me in these, these important big groups or, you know, these bigger opportunities that just had more pressure involved, more challenging material and required more practice. I would do those things and I found performing really rewarding, but was it fun hundred percent of the time? Like, no, Uh it was not. But that being said, I'm still glad that I went through that and that I learned how to do that at a young age, because now, you know, I teach people, kids aren't getting music instruction in school anymore and they don't know how to read music. And I knew how to read music when I was eight years old. It's a question that everybody, certainly every musician or anybody who works towards acquiring a skill has to find the balance between the the hard work and the enjoyment and just making sure that the thing that you're working on is still something that you're passionate about. And if you're you're not feeling that anymore, should you change what you're working on or should you try to redevote yourself to it in a way and change your mindset or your attitude in some way? Those are bigger questions, I think. Right. 
at whatever point in your life you had a more of a sense of not only this is something that I'm I'm in elementary school and I'm doing this and it's I have this relationship with it and at one point mm-hmm. you know this needs to be what I'm doing with my life and this is how I'm going to pursue it and then of course parents or your closest friends people who feel responsible for someone always have a mm-hmm. weird way of looking at those things that we love those things that make us who we are when you're a creative mm-hmm. performer or artist or whatever the level of encouragement changes oh it's it's not just a hobby for you oh really oh is that is that what you're going to do is that going to happen? Um, mm-hmm. And did, did you have people that were like, yeah, of course, do it? No, my parents were extremely supportive. I think they wanted nothing more than for me to go into show business and become like <laughs> a famous singer, entertainer, performer person. And I hope they're okay with how I turned out. They were extremely supportive of my music you know, I, it wasn't just choirs. I was in jazz choir. I was in regular choir. I was in a, a, a barbershop quartet. There was like a lot. And I went to a high school where there was a huge, robust music program. So I don't know where I would be today without that. But yeah, they, they were extremely, extremely supportive to the extent that they could be without being musicians themselves. Right. Well, that's good. There's always those that don't have the support from those closest to them. So they're pushing back against that is part of their motivation. So with a good support system in place, what was the driving factor? Did you feel like you had something to prove either to yourself or to the world? I think, I mean, as a teenager and as a young person, I also had like extremely low self-esteem because especially as a young girl, I had a lot of pretty serious body image issues. I was made fun of a lot at school for being chubby. And, you know, unfortunately, I got some of that same messaging at home telling me that, you know, you won't be able to do this if you don't lose weight. You won't be an actor. You won't be a performer. You won't get an agent. You won't get a boyfriend. You won't get any of the things you want in life if you don't lose weight. That really uh, affected my self-esteem. And yeah. I guess set about like proving everybody wrong about all of those things. And I have proven everybody wrong about all of those things. I kind of did get everything that I wanted. I don't know that it's, it's obviously like a really painful thing for anybody to have to go through, especially as a young girl and a young woman to be getting those kinds of messages. So for me, music was my main source of self-esteem and where I drew my passion and I found my place in the world. Because when I was singing, I was beautiful to everyone. And when I was playing music, I was beautiful to me. So that's, that's where that comes from, I think. Damn, that's a silver lining and a half. Mm-hmm. Didn't get to see it. I, I got to see some online stuff, but your, mm-hmm. your show Clitoria <laughs> obviously ex- explores all that and more. You know what? Clitoria, for those of us who yeah. haven't seen it, what is it? What yeah. it's about? Clitoria is a musical. It's a comedy, a comedic musical about a science teacher who is in sort of a sexually repressed relationship or is feeling sexually repressed in her relationship because she's kinky and her boyfriend is not. So she develops a serum to neurologically alter her brain chemistry to try to get rid of her kinkiness so that she can be happy with her boyfriend. Her cat pees in it and uh, it ends up having the opposite effect and turning her into Clitoria, the vixen of kink. 
Clitoria wreaks havoc on Marianne's life. And Marianne has to deal with the consequences of her sexually liberated alter ego on her, uh, the square life that she's built up for herself. That's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. That should be a movie. Right? It would be a cult classic and also a smash in the box office. Not like I know what I'm talking about, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to tell them that when I pitch it to Hollywood. Todd Donald said (laughs) that it would be a smash... He has that show that no one listens to. Uh, I listen. I'm assuming just by the title alone that there were some people who are like, (laughs) my word. I mean, I enjoyed that, but I'm not used to hearing such language banded about in public (laughs) nonetheless. I feel like there's there's a chance and you can help me. Mm -hmm. Did it make the connection you were hoping for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was really wonderful to experience and get to hear about everybody's reactions to the show and what everybody thought and all these different people. One thing that I was really proud of was that a lot of people said that they did not think that it was vulgar at all. Even though we're talking about kink and different fetishes and sex acts and things like that, the show is really about Marianne and her relationship with herself and her shame. I think that that got through, which is good. And and the other thing that I loved, and this was sort of the goal of the show, my family, the conservative Greek folks who I thought would be so horrified <laughs> by all of this, they all came out and they all loved it. I, I talked to someone who was like a sex therapist who said she really liked it and wanted the soundtrack for her clients. And I talked to people who were like, conservatives and like people who had voted for Doug Ford and they really liked it too. Um, So like that was sort of my goal was like, Hey, let's bring everybody together over this really hot button issue and have everyone have as much fun as possible learning about why it's important to be sex positive and what it means to be sex positive. That was the goal of the show. So that was the part that I found the most rewarding was seeing people of all different, you know, ages and political stripes, seeing the show and really enjoying it. Would you say that that was a happenstance of what you were doing with this production? Or do you feel like this is some the kind of thing that you would want to happen of anything you do? Well, I, I hope that anything I do would be successful. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, but but uh, that's not what I meant. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to beat myself up after this. Not literally, just physically. Um, <laughs> Don't beat yourself up. You're great, Todd. I love you. I, I guess the, what I was trying to ask was like, would you want that kind of big of a conversation to be happening with everything you do or would you like some things to go out there just being like oh that that was just funny about this or (laughs) that that was was, nice that was (laughs) you know that's that's a heartbreak album and this new album is a a conversation that's a really great question uh it's probably something for me to think about more i feel like in my 20s if i can give away my age uh, I feel like my 20s were very much about like the acquisition of skills. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I felt I had lived enough life where I had something to say. Right. And so Clitoria was the first time I felt like, oh, I'm putting together all of these skills that I have and I'm using it to say something that I feel really strongly about and that I feel re- is really important to say in this particular moment in time not just for the world, but for me personally. So I had this very strong impetus behind creating this show because I felt that I had something to say. Is that how I feel whenever I sit down to create or write something? 
No. Does that mean that my creations or work are not worthy of contributing to the world? No, I don't think so. There are obviously an infinite number of creative impulses and ways of expressing ourselves. So to not get too specific, the album that I'm planning in cre- on creating now is a lot more about sound atmospherically than it is about like straight up pop songwriting which is what I have been doing and training and teaching myself to do since I was 12. Clitoria is like the lyrical content and the songwriting and the structure is all very much geared towards like communicating a specific message, hitting certain punchlines and rhymes and like getting the audience to feel a certain thing. Now what I'm working on is something that's a little bit more like harmonically ethereal and a little bit more like, you know, atmospheric, as I said, And is it's not really about communicating a specific message as it is about like tapping into a feeling and seeing how different harmonies and rhythms and instrumentation can affect a mood. I don't necessarily have like a big strong message with this next album. I think it's more about an exploration of sound. So yeah, I, I don't think I always need to have some sort of strong controversial message But even in the exploration of sound, I think, does that mean I have something to say? I mean, I have something to contribute and I have something to explore and Mm -hmm. maybe other people will have a reaction to that, but it's not necessarily a verbal conversation. It could be a musical conversation. I I don't think a a political or controversial thing is a requirement. I everything is justified by its own existence. Like it's all good basically. And (laughs) yeah. do you look at what you're making as part of a body of work or is it just solely about the thing that you're doing now? I think that it's both. So the stuff that I work on is, is uh, primarily project based. For me, it's always about just doing the work and seeing what comes out of it. And stretching myself. I'm always doing things like if I'm not a little uncomfortable, <laughs> if I'm not stretching my comfort zone, then I'm probably not growing and I'm probably not interested in what I'm doing. I think over the last little while, I haven't been writing too many songs because I'm actually a little bored with songwriting because I write the same way all the time. And so I think that this next exploration is about doing something new. Now, what comes of that? I don't know. What will come of Clitoria? I don't know. We're also in this really weird time right now where time is sort of standing still and the world is standing still and there's a lot of stuff that can't go forward and we can't have live concerts anymore and we can't have live theater anymore. That's going to affect everybody's body of work, right? So uh, in this particular time, I have the time and the space to follow, uh, I guess, a bit more of a passion project rather than something that has a specific end goal. I'm trying to get into this festival or I'm trying to get this grant or I'm trying to, you know, make this happen. That's not my goal going into this album. I'm just experimenting with my own songwriting and creativity and seeing what comes of it. I think that's a good thing for any time. Mm -hmm. For me, I think having deadlines is something that in the past has been really important for me. If I don't have a project with deadlines, stuff has a way of not happening. (laughs) 
Very not materializing, even if I give myself those deadlines. So a couple years ago, I created a YouTube channel and I did a, a songwriting series called Stories to Songs, which is, I think, the music that you found of mine. Some of it. Yeah, yeah. And I- the challenge for me there was to write a new song every week and to record these sort of weekly videos of me performing a brand new song that I wrote each week. So it was a song a week challenge. And, you know, I wrote a ton of songs and I had to write them whether I had ideas or not, (laughs) you know, sometimes you're inspired and sometimes you just have to sit at the piano or the guitar and, and fiddle away until something happens. And both are equally valid ways of going about your creative process. And I think if you are a creative professionally, you're going to have to do that. You know, you're going to have, you're not always going to be inspired. Ideas don't always drop out of the sky. It's great when they do. You also need to be able to produce work under pressure and when you don't have any ideas at all. And that's also a valuable skill. Did it blow up and go viral? No, but I come out of that experience with a whole bunch of songs my songwriting skills have improved. I have got new followers and new fans. And I have material on the web that I can point people to if they want to see what I do and what I sing. Every project that I've done has contributed to the whole of who I am as an artist. That's not specific to any project that I have. That's just who I am. That's fantastic. So I'm going to make an atmospheric album. And then if that leads to other projects or other collaborations, that's all part of who I am and what I do. Well, I want to say that throughout this entire thing, I'm not only admiring your uh, intelligence while feeling bad about my own inability to articulate <laughs> things. Um, I, I, can hear the tra- I can hear the training and the practice and the passion, like all of the ends that meet with you being as super talented as I think you are. Oh, thanks, Todd. You're beautiful. You're outgoing. Your work Aww. that I've heard and seen is outstanding. Let's do one more quickly and then um, uh, prepare for this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, if performing or being a creative was in the form of a person, there are different ways that every individual creative or performer could look at the relationship with that and the relationship of give and take. One thing that I was thinking about was the person that is performing and being creative can and will take anything you want to give it. It will always take it. It will never say no. It's subjective how much uh, it decides to get back. What would you say of the exchange so far has been? It's weird because I, I often make the point that like, you know, it takes a lot longer to create something than it does to experience it or enjoy it. You know. It takes a lot longer to write a book than it does to read one. It takes a lot longer to write a song or produce a song than it does to hear it. It takes so much longer to paint a painting than it does to look at it. So what's the point? You know, (laughs) why are we doing this? But I think that there is, uh, there's the enjoyment is in just doing it and doing it all the time and doing it every day and connecting with that part of yourself. Yeah that wants to to express yourself and be creative. And uh, in my case, like, I'm a bit of a ham, Todd. Like, I like like performing and I like it when people clap and go, yay! You know, a lot of performers, you know, that's how we get started is by the validation and admiration and approval that we get from an audience and from other people. 
And I think that now I'm at a point where I'm just really appreciating like the process and what it does for me to practice and what it does for me to feel like I'm getting better at things. What it takes out of me as well is something to be aware of. I don't like writing a song right when I'm in the middle of feeling the things. It's too much. I, I can't enjoy it. I can only yeah. enjoy songwriting once once I've like kind of processed the feelings and I have some perspective on them, you know? Well, my <laughs> what I would say is like, if you're writing a song about it, you're not feeling that bad. <laughs> That's not- <laughs> If you if you have yeah. a funny if you have a funny sign you've not been homeless that long. If you're writing a song and you're still feeling that bad, you're not going to like that song sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to have to go back and yeah. do this again later. Like, you know, get your feelings out, but like there is also like a craft to this work that you can't yeah. do when you're like blind with tears. Hey, thanks for listening so far. You've almost made it to the end. But before the goodbyes, here's a live off the floor performance recording by the guest. This is Laura Bailey once again, and the song is called Justify. A piece of me 
As I wrap this up, I um I want the audience to know that I hope uh, you keep finding the silver linings and all this uh, social distancing stuff and get your groceries, whatever. I don't know. Anyway. Thanks, Todd. I hope <laughs> uh, I hope none of it's not too hard on you at this time, and uh, I hope you guys are doing well up there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. So if I understand you right, the question is... God damn it, I didn't do you get want, I still... Do you think... <laughs> uh, what a weird abstract question, too. That was supposed to be the easy one. Uh, do I think I've gotten as much out of um, being creative as I have put into it? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.